he's referred to as the man in the back of the room and introduced as the voice of God. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, given Tony and Grammy award-winning celebrities direction, and lectured scads of students. But as he likes to point out, the event entertainment expert you don't know, you don't know, Anthony Bellata. And Bellatified. Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of Bellotified, the one and only podcast about events, entertainment, and engagement. Hi, I'm Anthony Bellotta. I'm your host, and I'm here as I am every week with the one and only Alex Apostolidis. Hey, Alex. What's going on today? Oh, well... It's such an incredibly gorgeous day. All I really want to do is be outside, but you didn't hear that Um, because it's sunny. I mean, it was a dreary weekend. So, you know, but I am sitting, I changed locations for our recording today so I could have a little more light and have a view of outside and the pretty sky and Mm. all of that kind of lift the mood. Yes, there's been rain here uh, on the West Coast. I haven't been around for that rain. No, you were. Where were you again? Yeah. Charleston. Charleston. Did you depend on the kindness of strangers? I always do. <laughs> uh, Charleston, a very interesting place. I've never been there before. Uh, never spent time there. Uh, you know, it's sort of, um, it's an, it's, it's very southern. It's also got the element of being on the beach which is an you know an interesting uh piece of it because it that sort of brings in an international uh uh, international group if you will um visitors if you will and uh it's small very small but it's spread out and i was really confined to downtown charleston uh we were staying at charleston place and uh, with lovely, lovely uh, hotel right in the middle of downtown, the largest hotel downtown uh, with shops, you know, there's a Gucci and a Yves Saint Laurent. And uh, there was a few other, uh, Ike Behar, a few other um, high-end retailers in, in the hotel itself. And then it was on a, a shopping street. Uh, and it was very busy because uh, in Charleston, every year around this time, they do the bridge run. And so that was happening. And then there were fester, uh, festerlands, there were festivals happening. <laughs> I think, I think in Summerlin, uh, there was a festival. Uh, there were festivals happening as well. So it was a very busy weekend in Charleston. I've, I've come to learn that, and I feel a little embarrassed that I didn't realize this, that Charleston is the either number one or among the top wedding destinations in the country. And why would one know that? Unless you're in the wedding business. Well, that is true, which we're not. uh, But, uh, you know, it's event related and Mm -hmm. I I was really I was fascinated by that and as I walked around the hotel itself and uh, the market that's attached to it and 
and the shops, I, I could I could tell, I could see it. It was clearer because there were a lot of shops for young women. There were a lot of dress shops. Uh, there, there were very few national brands. Most of the shops were uh, local. Um, so they're catering to young women and bridal parties. Uh, and there were a lot of young women in white veils walking around. Uh, so it was very, it, it became very clear, oh yes, it makes sense. Uh, caters to uh, the wedding uh, industry very, very attunely, it seems. Very interesting place. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to sound disparaging, but it's interesting being on the East Coast in the South, very different than it is in, you know, the Southern part of California and our, our, uh, our frame of mind is different here. Mm -hmm. We're a little bit more liberal and we, um, and open and I, I did hear a few things in passing from people that took my breath away and not in a good way. Yeah. Uh, and I saw a few things that made me a little uneasy. At least one white truck with two, you know, big American flags out of coming out of the back. That that kind of I don't know why that unnerves me, but it does. Um, and signs with an interesting sign. The most interesting sign was the one that read no concealable weapons allowed with the you know picture of the gun. Uh, <laughs> no, just, oh my God. Yeah, that, that's very unnerving to me. And especially when I travel anywhere where it's open carry and you see somebody mm -hmm. in a Starbucks with a big rifle. Mm -hmm. it, the, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's unnerving. No, nobody, I didn't see any guns, which is nice. Uh, but, you know, the fact that they had to have a sign that disallows concealable guns makes me think there might be some on the street. Uh, but nonetheless, the architecture there is really, really um, fun. It's, you know, colonial and um, very old and, uh, I am not an architect, so I couldn't tell you, uh, you know, specific periods, but very lovely, very interesting as well. I know it's beautiful. I mean, I've not been there, but I have many a friend who have traveled and they always talk about how incredibly beautiful it is. They have this great market that is apparently just reopening after COVID. Uh, and it's a daytime market every day. And then they have a weekend evening market and it's local uh, artisans and vendors that come in and rent the tables in the market. And it's about probably four or five blocks long. And it extends from the, the port, which is where the cruise ships come in, which was kind of an interesting site because I didn't see that until Saturday. And suddenly I looked out my window and there was this huge Carnival cruise ship there. Uh, you know, just a few blocks from the hotel. It didn't, you know, even like occur to me because I hadn't already been down that way that there would be a cruise ship there. So it was the juxtaposition of the, the you know, 
old colonial architecture and that big ship was very interesting and uh also, I took great pleasure in some of the signs, the um, business signs. You know, there were some fun business names like duty calls, which is <laughs> the truck that follows the horse and buggies around mm -hmm. and picks up the horse poop, you know, duty calls, D-O-O-D-Y, and a few shops as well. Uh, it was very fun. It was a lot of fun, but I was definitely ready to get home. And uh, it was a really difficult trip home uh, because everything was delayed. Well, there was weather apparently on Saturday and there was an, an, a system outage as well uh, at Southwest. And so I, my flight was delayed so long that I wasn't going to make my, my, um, connection in Chicago on Saturday. So, uh, you know, I'm an A-list member. It's the one thing I have to boast about. I'm an A-list member, a Southwest. <laughs> the only thing that in your entire <laughs> life you can brag about. It's the only clout I have with anyone in this world. And uh, I went, I went on, I started, I got on the phone and I was also on the app. And I, you know, you also get the notifications. Well, the notifications that they text you only come every 30 minutes and they only extend the time that you're delayed 30 minutes. So you don't really know what's happening, but the app had already said it was gonna be delayed four hours. And so I'm on the app and I'm trying to change my flight and I can see that flights are lo no longer available or like they're being snatched up. So, and I can't change my flight. So I start to call and as an A-list yeah, A member, you can put in your A-list, your rapid rewards number, and it will allow you to uh, circumvent the line and jump ahead as an A-list member. I tried that at least three times and it didn't recognize my number. So I had to wait for, for almost two hours on the phone. And as I'm waiting, I decided I was going to make a change. I decided to buy a ticket because then there was only one flight available out on Sunday and it had two stops and it left at 3.30. And I said, I better grab that. Otherwise, I'm not going to get out on Sunday. It's going to be Monday. And so I was on hold and I went ahead and I purchased that ticket and I was already miserable thinking, okay, there's two stops. I'm going to hate that. Uh, but I purchased it, finally got through to Southwest. The agent Kimberly was great, uh, told me what to do because I had to pay for the hotel. You know, I had some extra expenses. Uh, she told me how to file a you know grievance, which I've done. And she was very nice. So I did all that. I get on the flight yesterday, we get to Houston, everything is hunky-dory. Okay, now we're delayed going to Oakland before San Diego. That's the path I'm about to take. And I get to Oakland and uh, everything is still fine. We're doing fine. In fact, a few minutes ahead of schedule. And then everybody gets on board who's going to San Diego. Everybody leaves, everybody gets on board. And it seems like we're ready to go, but nothing's happening. 
So then finally, about 10 minutes later, the captain gets on the intercom and tells us that there's only one ramp agent and uh, he hasn't yet put the bags on the jet. So it would be another 20 to 30 minutes before we left. All right. So, you know, now you're like, okay, it's already really, really late and you want to get back. So finally, after about 30 minute delay, we leave, we get into San Diego. And as we're getting off of the flight, I hear at another gate, people getting off another flight. And I hear somebody say to somebody else, an hour and a half delay. You know, they were not very happy. I'm thinking, uh oh, we get down to baggage claim and there are five flights to be offloaded and put on those carousels and three ramp agents because of the delays. I guess, you know, some of them landed late. So it was over an hour, 70 minutes, close to oh, 75 minutes before our bags came. And it was already uh, like 1230 in the morning. It was just so dang late and so frustrating. And, you know, I, I fly them all the time. I have a lot of miles on them because I use them a lot. And um, it's, it's almost hollow to hear, we apologize for the delay and we hope you'll give us a chance to make it up to you because that seems to be what it is these days. And I, I hate to say this, but the service is just, it's so nil. It's just, there's nothing. Uh, you know, you get a soda unless unless you buy a business class ticket and then you get a drink coupon. I don't even drink, so that's worthless. There's to no me. alcohol in flights anyway anymore. Yeah, it's back as of this oh, is trip. It? As huh? of this trip, yeah. Uh, and you know, you get a bag of snacks. You don't even get a, a variety of snacks anymore. You get a snack, and it's just it's become so dehumanizing to to travel and you you don't feel like you really have a voice and you don't want to be that person anyway you don't want to be nasty and mean you want but you're you're stewing because you're exhausted and you haven't eaten and your cells your cell your your mobiles are all dry of every last bit of energy they had because every piece of equipment you have has no power left because you know you haven't had a chance to plug it it's just come on, you know, this is 2022, you know, it shouldn't take 12 hours to fly across the United States. And that's what it took. No, it is amazing that prices keep going up. The level of service keeps going down. What you get for your money is lessening. My aunt or my aunt, not my aunt, my cousin just flew uh, for over the holidays when she came here and she treated herself to a first class ticket. What for no food? Well, what what she got, uh, and this was on Delta. Um, she did get a a little sandwich in a bag on a stale bun with a piece of ham and Swiss cheese in there. Um, no drinks. Couldn't get a blanket. She was freezing. Couldn't get a blanket. Like, what do you what do you pay? She paid a lot of money, and the only thing that she got that other passengers didn't was a little more leg room, mm-hmm. and a packaged, a cellophane packaged stale ham sandwich. That was it. Right. Like, right. And a wider seat. 
that's not in a wider seat. I mean, be, it's a lot let's different. There, it's true, and some of us need it. Um, then it's a lot different than it was. I remember being five years old and flying to Rhode Island with my mom and going up the spiral staircase to the lounge. So, well, I remember that too. That was a delightful day. That one lounge experience. Yes. So we'll get off our tirade. All right. And we will uh, move on to happier, happier things. You know, I feel like I say this a lot. I just adore her. I really do. She's she's a delightful human being. So I and I don't know a lot of her backstory. So I'm really excited to interview her. I know that she started in hotels as a catering and conference service director. She worked for I think three or four different places, and she started her own business over ten years ago, featuring not only delicious treats but treats that showcase a fun personality that can add a unique character to your events, which is really cool. And uh, during COVID, like many, she pivoted, right? She took their interactive stations and created pre-packaged treats to cope with living in the virtual world. So if you were having a drive-by birthday party, you could go over to her company, her website, order them and give them out to the people that were coming by your drive-by party. So please, let's welcome the president of Sensational Treats, San Diego's premier treat company, Sherry Karpinski. Hi, Sherry. Are you, uh, are you at your office? It looks like you might be. I'm at my home office, actually. Working, huh? Working hard, working. Doing that hybrid thing, right? Working half from home and half in the office. Yes, and busy, I assume. Yes, very busy. Good. Careful what you wish for busy. Yes, well, you know, it's always feast or famine in our world, always, you know. Yeah. And if there's one day, if there's if everyone's going to have an event, it's going to be on one day, exactly. right? It's yeah. always going to be that way. Uh, but I'm glad to hear, we're glad to hear that you're busy and that business is picking up and... Uh, and that people are treating and uh, enjoying your sensational treats. What's new? Tell, first of all, tell 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 our listeners uh, what you do and uh, give them a little give them a little uh, inside look at uh, or I should say inside uh, few thoughts about. I don't know. I can't talk today. I'm exhausted. Please forgive me. I got back really late last night, it's and I'm blah, blah, blah. it's Monday. It's always like that on Mondays, right? Because we do events all weekend and then it's like, oh, back in the game again. So um, I am happy to share a little bit about me, what Sensational Treats does. So my name is Sherry Karpinski and I own Sensational Treats and we are an interactive dessert company. And we do over 22 different interactive dessert stations from 50 people to 5,000. So um, all it social events, corporate events, um, all types of events. Uh, we also, um, during the pandemic, interestingly enough, started a package division. So we do some of that now too. Mm-hmm. So we uh, anything having to do with sugar and treats and action and fun, that's what we do. We love it. Uh, the interactive dessert stations. And it's funny, I'm teaching tomorrow night at um, SDSU and one of uh, and the, the courses event design and production. And, you know, one of the topics is food and beverage as a design element. At one point, that wouldn't have been the case. But today it is. 
uh, right? Yes, yes, it really is. And it's interesting because when I started the company, it was 11 years ago. And at the time I worked for hotels, action stations were really big. And I thought, well, what if you turn that in on the dessert side? Because um, I thought it was fun and exciting and another form of entertainment really. And the company we've been successful with that over the years, but right now, more successful than ever. Because as mm-hmm. I think events are coming back, people are really open to the fact that they want something different and new and fun. And everyone's looking forward to that energy that I think um, being able to see our mini donuts made hot and fresh and um, being able to see the liquid nitrogen and learn about it and go, oh, I've heard about that. And um, that's a whole nother element of education and design for that event. And it creates a lot of fun and energy and momentum. It's experiential and it turns Mm -hmm. what would normally be, and I have to say this with all due respect, the end of a long meal, staying at your seat at the table and having dessert served, it becomes, even if it's delicious, it, 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 just sort of blends into the evening. There's nothing special about it. And there, it does nothing for the energy level in the room at all. But this infuses the evening with energy. It's exactly when you need it. I would agree. And, and there's lots of different ways and lots of different ways people are using it. So that's what's been fun too. Like I said, we have a, a huge variety now of different um, stations. And it can be used. So we've even used it um, a couple of times um, for things like uh, at the valet. So we've had people for a gala dinner or something put our donuts at the valet so that when people are standing there in line waiting for their car, now all of a sudden they're not thinking about, oh my gosh, I'm standing here for 20 minutes. Where's my car? They're going, oh my gosh, look, I get these hot, fresh donuts. This is awesome. This is amazing. And now they don't realize that they've waited 25, 30 minutes for their car. And it's all, um, it's it's a, because you're entertaining them because that right. time is passing and you're doing something. So um, we've used, you know, our, our treats have been used that way or they've been used in, in conventions and expo booths so that people are like, where'd you get that? Oh, that was in booth so-and-so. And they branded a cup or a bag or something saying what booth to go to. So there's a lot of different ways that now people are getting so creative. Um, we've always been creative, but I think that utilizing new and different ways um, is really uh, the design element that you're talking about, designing that event. Yeah, uh, because we're all looking for experiences. We're not looking, and I think even more so now, people are really getting it, you know, which we've been in this experiential economy for a very, very long time. <laughs> But as human beings, we're catching up because of COVID and the yes. fact that we've been deprived, right? Yeah. So now we're all hungry for experience. And, and, and honestly, clients are like, give me more. What else can I do? Wow, and I so love it. It's interesting because um, we, are, we tend to be at the end of the cycle, really. Sometimes we're in the beginning and in the, in the design right. part, front Bot- end. Bottom, bottom. But at the end, but a lot of times it's at the end, it's like, oh, wait a minute, we didn't think about that, or let's do that. What else can we do? Because now, or or, oh my gosh, we're going to have this big line at Valet. What what do we do with them? So it's interesting because more and more um, 
not that I could say that we're an afterthought. We used to be more of an afterthought, but um, I think now we are in the design and in the phase, but then people want to do more because they're so excited to be back that they're like, what else can we do? So that's, that's it. No, go ahead, Sherry. I'm sorry. I was just, I just had a thought, Anthony, we need to write our custom lyrics for At the Valet. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so that'll be fun. Sorry, it just popped out. <laughs> yeah. As long as I'm not singing, then not, that's your. No, that'd be great. Well, it's great that people are leading with the delight and surprise element of their events and they're uh, in that mindset. And I'm glad to hear that it seems budget is not an issue with uh, clients. Are you having that conversation? Talk to, talk to us about that. It's one of my big concerns with inflation. Uh, well, yeah. I, yeah, I can't say the budget's not an issue because I think that there's two schools of thought on this or there's two things that I'm seeing. First of all, budget is always an issue. It just is a matter of what it is, right? And so there's always a budget. So how can it fit in? But I think that no, more people are willing to do it and have been willing to do it. But it really depends on the client and where it's coming from, right? So corporate clients are starting to look and, and be able to, to spend money again and be able to do that and, ha and gather again and have those events. Um, social clients are also in weddings and different things are, it's also always coming out of their pocket. So there's always a budget that is, that's in place, but they want that special, special feel. So and they want that experience. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that that out of the box over the last, you know, six, eight months has been everybody's excited and, you know, somewhat willing to spend more. I share your concerns with inflation because um, I think that we all have those concerns in that it's costing me more money to do business because of that inflation. So therefore, my prices now have to go up as well. Staffing issues, obviously, that's a huge piece of um, my gray hair right now um, yes. coming back because I think that um, we all know that it's very difficult to find staff, to find reliable staff. I don't know where all they where they all went because I'm like, wait, come back. Um, but in addition, because of inflation and because of those pieces, um, the demand is a lot higher. So they can de demand a higher wage, especially for the good ones. And then, but then that all trickles down to now I have to charge more because um, I'm having to pay more. And then in addition, as we all know, um, the other two pieces to that is food costs and gas, um, transportation. So, all of those are lump. So even though people came back saying, I want to do this, I'm going to find the money to have this experience. Now there's a piece that um, I'm also seeing and feeling as I'm having to raise my prices, people are like, oh, well, well wait a minute. And, and they maybe don't have as much um, to spend as well because all of the costs in their life have gone up. So it's definitely a concern. So how are you, you know, you're very savvy. I, I, I see you as being very savvy sales lady as well. And you've been in the, in the event world for a long time and in the hospitality world for a long time. So how do you get around some of those, uh, those issues with clients and, and what are you, what are you saying today to, you know, to help? Well, I think that the, the thing that is consistent for me is always based on quality quantity and quality, um, the service still being there, the reliability, and you're going to pay a little bit more, 
but you're going to be able to, um, from my company's perspective, have us that are reliable and we're going to be there and are going to create this wonderful experience. Mm -hmm. And depending on the event and depending on the situation, whether it's a one day event because it's a wedding or a social or a bar, bar, bar mitzvah, um, you really, um, it's an investment. It's an investment in the experience that everybody in the room is going to have there or a corporate client, same thing. It's an investment in what they walk away saying. And for me and, and my business in Sensational Treats, it's unique. It's an, it is that experience that people are going to go, oh, wow, I, I never knew that liquid nitrogen dragon popcorn, I was breathing, breathing nitrogen. You know, I've, I've seen that, but I've never had it. Or, wow, that ice cream was amazing. Or, wow, those churros, you know, because there are people that are, have come from, you know, the South or, you know, that have never had an actual churro made right there hot and fresh because there is a difference. Um, so, you know, it's really combining quality and great service with that experience that you want to be different and that will make your event stand out. Yes, I love that you talk about having, you know, having your treats have personality, hmm. you know, yeah. that's such a, that's a really cool idea. Yeah. I think that, um, and, and that personality is going just like um, an event planner wanting design to design an event, that that's important that it does have personality. The other thing that's really big right now is customization, whether it be, you know, a little messaging or something. And we have a lot of opportunities within our treats and within what we do, um, whether it be our stations or bags or vessels to be able to do that. So that gives it personality because you can do and. I have some great people on my team. I will have to give kudos to my team because I like what I see and I can say, yes, I want this and this, but they, uh, Kirsten on my team does an amazing job at creating some of these graphics and things that give personality to um, the image that we're looking to put out with the sticker or the, the logoing on the bar or the, the brand or the bag um, to the personality of how the treat looks. So I've always been, a, been um, and for me, um, part of that personality is how the station looks, what mm -hmm. the decor is on it, um, how it's lit, how can everybody see it, um, the garnishes, the little details. It's always in the details. And um, as a company, that's what we continuously strive for. I you know, challenge everybody to take that next step. Um, sometimes I drive them a little crazy. But for me, that's what sets us apart because that is what, yeah, it can be good. It's the donuts will still be good if they're there and they're hot, you know, and they're, we're making them. But how will it be if, you know, there's decor in the setup and, you know, the table's constantly cleaned and the back station is clean and there's um, cute little stickers on the bag and there's a little greenery to add, you know, all those and the, the station is lit properly. Mm -hmm. um, not the light going that way, but the light down on the station. So it's all those little things that mm -hmm. create personality and create a look, experience and... Um, and they become enticements. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's how you entice people to mm -hmm. the stations is to make them look good and appetizing. And you're dealing with food, right? So at the end of the day, you're right. It has to look appealing. Yeah. People have to want to approach and then taste. All right. Question for you. Yeah. What is your newest concoction and what is your most popular concoction? So, you know, your newest concoction could have been pre-COVID. But, right. you know, what's what's the newest thing or what's the thing that you you like the most and what's your most popular? 
So I think our most popular, well, I have to pick two because they go hand in hand and that's our, our little mini donuts and our liquid nitrogen ice cream. For some reason, we're still known we started with those little mini donuts and everybody knows us for us and loves us for us. We tag on things like deep fried Oreos and deep fried candy bars and the donuts actually recently, we have gone in and done a savory donut. So we did an event where we partnered with a catering company, Culinary Concepts, and we went in and we did a lemon herb donut and we put creme fraiche and caviar on it and served it like in a little bird's nest. And it was out of this world. So we're constantly looking at, um, and then, oh, and then we did a tiramisu donut where we looked and we took the donut and we um, put marshmallow cheese and we rolled it in cognac, a cognac sauce. And um, then we had espresso gelato on it and Marconi almonds. And it was like, oh my goodness. So we've gone from everything from the little mini donuts that are just plain and has powdered sugar, cinnamon sugar and chocolate powder. And now we've taken it to the next level. So I think our donuts are still amazing. And then our nitrogen ice cream, because it's so different and we make all kinds of different flavors um, are also really fun and um, people want it. They want, they want that unique scientific mm-hmm. uh, experience, experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, i'm i'm actually surprised that nitrogen ice cream hasn't taken off in the retail space like like it has in the event space i only know of one store well it's funny there were quite a few um actually before covid 2019 they were starting to pop up more but i agree with you because we've actually been doing liquid nitrogen i would say for about 10 years and yet people didn't really um know about it know about it and yet yeah. i was and we would push it and it was popular when we did it but then people still wouldn't come back now it's gotten a lot more popular retail stuff they actually had um a retail front in one of the malls uh it was out in um i think utc had it at one point and um up in uh escondido area north county had it but what's one thing about liquid nitrogen is it's it's expensive right so Mm. Uh, it's a little bit more expensive of a product to do. Mm -hmm. So therefore, I think from a retail space, when you don't have a guaranteed set of customers, the time, then it can be your overhead can be a lot. So I think a lot that have come and gone. But I think from an event space standpoint, um, the people that do want something different are willing to to spend a little bit more to have this unique ice cream. And I think that um, now more and more people have caught on and it's definitely that people want and are experiencing. I don't want to go off on ice cream, but I I do want to say this. Uh, in Southern California, we seem to have a um, sort of a love-hate relationship with ice cream because it comes and goes. Uh, and I've seen it, you know, in the in the retail environment. You, you'll have ice cream stores and then they'll close and they'll become yogurt, you know, shops yep. and then they'll close. And ice cream is enjoying a resurgence now mm-hmm. around town with a lot of ice cream stores. Uh, so I think that impacts as well the taste for ice cream, don't you think? I do. I do. And I think that it's kind of one of those decadent things as people are getting out and getting to go places again. It's like, oh, let's go to the ice cream shop tonight. Um, The other thing is, is we're doing a lot of things with it, which and some things, um, everything from um, serving it with normally people are liquid nitrogen ice cream with a topping station. So that that's another part of the experience. Right. People can choose. What do I want to go on my, you know, espresso ice cream or my Oreos? 
eggs and cream? Do I want more Oreos? Do I want to add nuts in there? So that's a piece where I feel like when people get to choose, they feel it's even more, uh, well, it's unique to them. So they, I feel like it is, makes them feel special. So Mm -hmm. that's an option. And then in different ways, such as um, we serve uh, waffle cones, we serve ice cream sandwiches off of our bars, which have become really popular with different types of flavors of cookies. We serve um, with a nitrogen ice cream, we can do root beer float stations where we get good old fashioned cake root beer and add that in. Um, we do um, there. Oh, we do mocktails and cocktails. So we take our sorbets and we freeze it with the nitrogen, which doing the the ice cream in and of itself, liquid nitrogen is negative 321 degrees. So it, it cools it so fast that it keeps the molecules really dense. So it's creamy. So your ice cream is really creamy and the sorbets as well. They don't get icy. It's like a pure product. So therefore, um, when you take those sorbets and what we do is we put them in with cocktails. So we do like a blood orange sorbet and we put it with tequila and we rim the glass and it just um people are like oh my gosh and it's made fresh and um really fun to watch as well and then they feel like they have you know as as um specialty cocktails and mixology is so big right now it's yes, a fun very. way as well so again we take we started out with liquid nitrogen and we look at okay how do we um continue to raise the bar um, make it better, make it more unique, um, and look to what people are wanting. Little mini cones, little mini, um, you know, waffle bowls. Oh, choco tacos. We just did a station where we did choco tacos, where we, you know, did a little waffle bowl and mm. dipped it in chocolate, and then it served as a little um, a taco with the ice cream in it. And that's fun being here in Southern California that a lot of people are doing a lot of fun. Um, we serve our churros, obviously, with a lot of fun um latin and, and mexican food but the choco tacos was awaited with the ice cream to have a little taco um right. and it's cute and anything right now that's etsy you know anything that that, that you can take a picture of and it's etsy worthy is going to be popular and people are going to get excited about so we look at how we can do that and, and choco taco recently was one of the ways that we did that people were like oh my god look how cute so taco tuesdays So, uh, are your ideas, may I ask, are they uh, sort of the invention of what's necessary when you speak with clients? Do you create these things out of need? Would you say most most often, or do you have these ideas out of nowhere? Do they just pop in? I ask you this because I'm more. I need I I need criteria myself to create. You know, and and what a client tells me, I don't just create out of thin air. So I'm wondering what the, what the, uh, what your creative process is like. I'm a little bit of both, but I will probably agree with you that a lot of at least how we've initially started or taken a new treat or or doing something. And um, we will, I will say people will come to me now. I'm lucky enough that Sensational Treats being in business for as long as we have, people will come to me and call me and say, Sherry, I have a client that wants this. It's not the client direct because I work with a lot of hotels and different catering. Sure. So they'll say, can you do it? And, I, and I'll be like, oh, well, let me check. Let me see. I haven't thought about that, but how could we do that? Perfect example is we now do a milkshake station and it's fabulous. And it started out coming from a Comic-Con, a client for Comic-Con and it was a hotel and they didn't want to do a milkshake station. I'm like, wait a minute, what do you mean? 
And uh, Warner Brothers wanted to do a milkshake station. So sure enough, I went out there. We did an amazing milkshake station. And now that has developed into, for Bar Mitzvahs, we've been doing milkshake stations where we take a glass. We take the old-fashioned glass and we dip it in chocolate. And then we put candy on the outside. And and so it's actually, and then we, you know, garnish wow. donuts and licorice sticks as their straw. And so it was, a, you know, it was something that started out years ago as this. But as I see things and as we see things, we continue to develop it on the creative side. Mm. One of the most important things for us is that since we're not a retail front, you have to make sure that anything that you're doing is going to translate going to an event because you have to have all of your things. You don't have a freezer and a refrigerator and, you know, you have to travel with it. So um, one of the things um, that was really popular for a while was cookie dough. Right. Everyone was doing like cookie dough, um, raw cookie dough. And I'm, yeah, like, I'm not not a fan, but yes, you're right. I'm not either. It, well, I, I, I'm a fan this much, but I wasn't. But a lot of people were asking for it. So I had to look at it and say, OK, are we going to do cookie dough? And I we didn't do cookie dough. You know, I think it's fabulous. There's a lot of people out there doing a great job with it in retail fronts. But to do cookie dough on the road at events, when I looked at all the pieces to do it, it didn't make sense for me. So creatively, you know, sometimes even creatively, things that I like or want to do, I have to make sure A, it can go from place to place, venue to venue, and that can be from a big park to a hotel. Um, And then we also have to make sure that, um, um, that it can go from that and that I can do from 50 people to scale up to thousands because that's another thing. Sometimes it's really easy to do for a party of 50. I'm sure I can do that. But you want to make sure that if you're going to launch a new dessert or a new product, that you're going to be able to do it in that scale because that's really um, where you'll get yourself, um, you know, to maintain the the integrity of the company. um, Yes. That you're able to do it well, whether it be 50 or 5,000. Right. And there's a lot that goes into all of that. Well, and we're in a city that is promoting those higher numbers and, and trying to get those high, bigger events mm-hmm. in the citywide. So you're definitely, you know, you know, smart to be able to accommodate. So I'd like to ask, um, I'd like to flip to your career, if you don't mind, and uh, talk to you about uh, the fact that you were a hotel. Uh, were you CSM? Or sales. I was director of catering and conference director services. of I'm sorry you said that earlier director of catering and conference services and you did that for how long a long time no and then you and then you and, and 20, then you 20, 20 yeah almost 20 years I would well, not maybe not quite that long it was probably about uh 15 years I would say that I was in hotels I started off as a catering manager I started off actually um as a in the wedding business. Like I wanted to be a wedding planner and um, I worked for a company that I did. Uh, it was a development company where I did a lot of planning and I was young and I'm like, I want to go out and plan weddings. I was at that phase of my life. All my friends were getting married. So I'm like, I can do this. So I started my own business as wedding creations. And then I um, got hired. Um, I was in business probably a couple of years. got hired at the Hotel Dell to do weddings at the Hotel Dell um, and was there for a couple of years, did amazing weddings there, love the Hotel Dell. Um, but then I got recruited to go to more of, um, to the Sheraton San Diego um, to do weddings there. They were transforming and it was a bigger, um, bigger box, bigger company. 
great move. I was there for seven years, became the director there. And then um, I was recruited and went to Hawaii. Fabulous place. I was like, wait, I don't know that I want to leave the Sheraton, but they're like, Hawaii called my name. So uh, I was worked there. I worked at the Fairmont Kealani in Maui. Oh, nice. And that step, I was director of catering at the Sheraton. So that gave me director of catering and convention services. So that gave me the group side, the the um, hotel versus just the catering side, with mm-hmm. which would be social and that kind of thing. So I did I was there for three years and did that. And then um, I was living on an island and uh, loved it, but got recruited back to uh, the company that I had worked for at the time. It was Starwood and uh, did back to work at the fabulous St. Regis Monarch Beach. So I went there and um, as the catering uh, director of catering and conference services. And there I had, we had a huge, amazing team. I had a team of 16. Beautiful hotel, beautiful property. Five star, five diamond, loved it. Uh, we had work to do there, which because um, they had it had opened and gone through a lot of changes, and they were changing. They kind of changed out the whole executive team, so I was part of that. And um, and actually, at the time, they had lost one of their stars, so it was like, oh, we have to get that back. So that was part of the reshuffle. So it was part of that team when we got the star back, and really um, learned a tremendous amount on 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 details and higher end, um, you know, attention to detail for service and food product and all of the above for events. So that was fabulous. And then I had littles and uh, I I was like, oh, dream career and was doing fabulous, but I needed to be a mommy first. I had a nanny and uh, for about 50 hours a week and decided that that wasn't fair to my children. So my one little, at that time I only had one. So then I quit for a little while and for a year after then uh, that and then started Sensational Treats because I said, I got to do something because at that point I was like, oh my gosh, I've been a career girl and done so much that um, I really needed to do something in addition to take care of my lovely children because at that time my, my, was, my daughter was then uh, on her way. And so I started Sensational Treats and started out small, which was perfect when they were little and now, over the last 11 years, it has grown to do parties of 5,000. So. Well, and I think the the fact, thank you for sharing that. I, mm-hmm. um, I, all of that is why I, I believe you're a successful business owner and you're as successful in the community as you are uh, because you, you built a career, learned a lot, did high-end incentives, did social business, did it all. So you have a real well-rounded knowledge of the industry and the individual nuances that each of those different sects have all on their own. You plan a wedding and a social event much different than you do an incentive, right? And you know that. And what you've done so brilliantly, really honestly, is, um, is that you, in, you've managed not to be seen as a competitor to those who need your services most and can sell your services most. Not that you sell to them more than you sell to the client directly, but you have hotels as clients, catering companies as clients. And these are generally companies that don't want to bring in outside help. They want to create, you know, and they're chefs 
take pride in creating you know the full menu so this not only is a financial uh, uh venture for them it is also one that is very political in nature and and for you to walk in with your sensational treats into a hotel property or into a catering company and to be so well accepted and loved and and welcomed says so much about you and the legacy that you've left in your career and the fact that you were able to turn that all into a business it's remarkable really well thank you that I really appreciate that and it, it, it you know it's true it is a big it is a big hurdle for a lot of companies you know when I started out in this industry even way back when um when I was doing weddings and then wedding um planners at the time were not really what wedding planners are today. And it's so exciting to see how that has come. They were seen as did not need it or whatever. But I've always been of the mindset that growth and working together is better than working in silos. And so bringing that to the table as far as in a hotel situation, in a catering company situation, you're right. There's been a lot of people that have said, oh no, we do that. Or no, we don't allow outside vendors in. But then um, what helped me is that knowledge that you're talking about. I used to be in hotels, so I know what their concerns were. So I could go to them and say, well, tell me, what is it that you're concerned about? Because this is liquid nitrogen ice cream you don't really do. And that would be a wow for your clients. And I'm happy to work with you. And here are my standards. And I know that I'm not, I can't get, you know, ice cream all over your carpet in your ballroom and we're going to do this this and this and I'm going to be on time and I'm going to be dressed appropriately and we're going to not have logos on our shirt and we're a representative of you and what are the values that you want to make sure that we are displaying because if a hotel hires sensational treats um, because on behalf of their client um, then we almost want to be seamless and so it's, you know, un understanding that concern on their part, really listening to what they needed and having those discussions um, helped me earn their trust to be able to do that. And I think that that's really important in any situation is really going in first and understanding what their concerns are and why, and then um, respecting those and, and, and working with them to see how you can solve those. And that's what's helped me to get into these properties. Um, and it's created huge wins. And funny enough, right now, as well as hotels and catering companies and everyone is so busy and staffing is so hard, you know, I'm getting more calls because they're like, oh, Sherry, dessert? Oh, you know what? Can you come in? Because we don't want to think about, we're just having a hard enough time staffing and getting the dinner for 400 done or 500 or, or 200 that night because we have so many events and they want something really cool and different. So are you available? So it's interesting because now some of the times have changed. And I think one of the things that COVID really did is teach us all how dependent we are on each other and how much we're all in this together. And um, we all went through it together and we're all coming, most of us and hopefully a lot of us are coming out of it. And it's just, it's, it's um, really interesting. I think now more than ever where that mindset of there's enough for all of us. How do we make this work? Um, well, there's, well, there's not enough of us internally, so there's no, enough for all of us. How do we make that work? Uh, you know, 
And, yeah. But but to your point, you're you're primed for this time because of the legwork and the relationships that you built along the way, and the fact that you. Uh, and, and this is a lesson. The reason why I'm, I'm bringing this up, it's, it's a lesson for people that want to be in the business that you don't plan in silos and you don't work in silos and everything is a partnership and everything is about advancing your client forward, no matter who that is, if that's the end client or the person that you've come in underneath, because at the end of the day, I was going to ask you about compromise, you know, because I, you, you get the sense from some business owners when you deal with them. You let you know when they're compromising, right? You know when, because they let you know, okay, well, I'll give you this deal. But in our world, it's better to go in with the client's needs and objectives and their, as you said it, their concerns at the forefront and, and to be willing not to compromise, but to be willing to advance yeah. their needs and to, and to walk in with that willing trustworthy nature and 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 sensibility and 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 proposal you know that you can trust me and i'm going to be a, a member of your team and i will deliver and then to follow through on all of that that is how you run a successful business it's not rocket science it's it's about others needs right fulfilling mm -hmm. a need why you do what you do fulfilling a need right and I think and I think also you have to realize that even though maybe this time you know if you take it from a hotel's perspective well maybe you're they're giving up revenue for that dessert this time or if it's not being billed through them or you know maybe but what you what what is going to happen is I always say if that event has that liquid nitrogen ice cream at it and it's a really cool and hip event, then people are going to go, oh my gosh, I was at X hotel and I saw this nitrogen ice cream. I've never had that. Oh, I want to have my wedding there. Like it creates this energy that it's new and different. So and and that they're doing hip things or different things and and everybody's happy and every you know it's it's a good synergy and I think that sometimes we get short-sighted thinking, oh, well, I'm giving up an opportunity here for me or revenue for me or where really, if you move forward through those processes, you'll gain it in different ways down the line. And it's a matter of trusting that in business and um, putting yourself with people that, you know, with respectful people as well and, and, and trusting that and moving forward to know, you know what, there's gonna be that next one around the corner. And this is the right fit for this event, this person, et cetera. So we're all going to come out ahead and look good and more business is going to be there for us. And because of that, there's going to be more business for everyone down the line. So let me play devil's advocate. As a business owner, have you ever, have you ever been surprised by somebody who has used your services, who then replicates your services? Has that happened to you? And, oh. and, if, and then, okay, so let me ask you, what obviously that burns right obviously we all know how that feels so how did how have you handled that in your career um somewhat of the same way i think you have to have grace i think you have to know i and, love that and and really say to yourself i know who i am and what i do and what i can deliver and my company can deliver and i have to I look at it as I'm never, I'm only as good as my last event. 
Um, so you constantly have to be trying. And I think that competition is good in some ways because it keeps us all there. It keeps us all moving forward. And I think that um, you have to say, I know what who I am and what I'm going to do and keep working hard at it. And does it sting? Yeah. Does it, um, is it hard at times and depending on how it is and how it out, you know, there's different levels of that, of course. Um, but as long as I keep doing what I'm doing and I can tell my clients and, and the people that know me and work with me why and, and why we're doing it um, better. And actually sometimes people come up with better options too. And I'm like, oh darn, I didn't think about that. Right, right. right. That, that's okay. That's, that's what, you know, building a business and being an entrepreneur is all about. And there's going to be someone who's 15 years younger than me, who's going to come up through the ranks and decide to do some other amazing things or going to inspire me to do it differently. And I think that you have to recognize that um, that is part of what makes, that is what is going to propel everyone in the industry. And that's ultimately what it's all about. Yeah, I can't, I couldn't agree with you more. Finer words have not been said. Mm-hmm. And, and I would like to also say the thing not to do ever when you own any business, but especially if you're looking for partners and you rely on people to give you business is to say, I'm never going to trust again or do this again, because every entity is its own entity, right? And because you've been burned once, you just take precautions, you learn from that, you understand, you you protect yourself, and then you move forward with a smile on your face to the next one. Definitely not with a chip on your shoulder, but with a smile on your face. And yeah, you're going to get that little ting in your gut that says, I don't know if this is the right way, because I was burned last time. But you've got to go through and you've got to push through with a smile, right? Because at the end of the What's more important at the end of the day, the health of your business, the longevity of your business, or your feelings, or the fact that you could get burned even a second time, because that's always possible. Absolutely. And the other piece, and this is really important that I've learned in business and or seen in business, is do not, business, it's a very small world. So... Yes. Um, you need to, um, I've learned not to be negative verbally about any competitor or anything as well. I think it's better left unsaid. I think um, you will, that will always come back in a, in a negative way to you as well. We all go through times where we have difficulties. Well, I always say that may be you one time. You know, if something happens or there's an experience or, you know, somebody falls short or, you know, that could be you. You never know. So it's important to keep focusing on your own business, keep doing the right thing, keep doing um, your best and um, keep wishing everyone well. Um, and in the end, it's better off to do it that way because you never also know how things come back around. You may never know. You, you may, they may, may need you, um, you know, your, your paths may cross with clients, with events. I mean, it is much better. Um, it will serve you a lot better if you can keep those emotions and negative feelings in check and not verbalize those and, and stay positive. Like you said, you know, you have to, you have to approach everything with grace and it is true. And everything is an opportunity to show grace. Yep. Right. And we're all human and we're all fallible. We're all going to have a bad day, a bad event. It's going to happen. 
it, it would be impossible for it not to, for things not to always go 100% perfectly. So if we can extend that grace and to everybody that we work with, it does, it comes back tenfold. I agree. It does take a bit of time. And um, mm -hmm. I think the wisdom of, of maturity helps, you know, you realize if you, if you've been, if you've been smart and you've built a career based on integrity and um, morality and doing the right thing, as you said, and always trying your best, then it does come back to you. And it doesn't always come back in a way that's noticeable. Uh, sometimes it comes back through a recommendation or a conversation that you don't even know is happening. Mm -hmm. And one thing we all know is for sure, people like to talk, right? We all know that to be true. And they're going to talk about the experience they had mm -hmm. with you, whether it was good or bad. They yeah. will be more <laughs> motivated to talk if it was bad. And, uh, you know, so you want to do everything you can to make sure that the conversation they have with whomever they have is a good conversation. I think somebody is quoted as saying, branding is what people say about you when you're not in the room. And that's exactly mm -hmm. true. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think that um, as well, you need, um, and we've all, I mean, part of this is wisdom. I can't say I've done it perfectly all the time, right? <laughs> there have been times in my career that I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Uh, 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 you know, we've all been there. And so it's really a matter of learning. And, and even if, and here's the other thing that I found is if you do make that mistake in some ways, whether it be your company makes a mistake on doing something wrong on the business, or you make the mistake personally by talking maybe negatively, et cetera, own it, like own it, own it mm -hmm. call it say it, apologize. I, I was upset a little bit. I wasn't thinking right. Wh whatever it is for you and where you were at, I own it and, and, and fix it and move on. Same thing with clients. If you, if something happened, you know, I've always told my team, I want to know first thing, don't ever hide anything. If anything goes wrong, I want to know it first thing. I want you to call me as soon as possible, because guess what? I want to call that client before they call me. I want right. to know, I want to know exactly what happened. I want to know why, because I want to be able to fix it right. and be able to acknowledge that, hey, we weren't exactly up to, you know, we weren't at our standard last night or whatever. What can we do? How, how, how is it going? And same thing on a personal level with if, you know, out there in the business, if something happened or you handled something in a way, you know, over time, I've learned, I've learned to say, okay, go on that one and say, mm -hmm. you know what? good place and i'm sorry i should have said that and i wish you yeah. That. yeah what can we do to make it right i think you know you said those words those are key key words even if people and i and i have found some people don't take me up on that when it's need when it needs to be said and some people do it's 50 50 you never right. know um you know and sometimes we'll just make it right if we know something mm -hmm. was drastically wrong there's just no question we're going to make it right we don't we won't even ask because what you're what you're ensuring there is that they'll come back to you right that they know and and shoot sometimes that's your best opportunity to get a client for life because Absolutely. Right, you've owned it and you've said i will make it right you make it right and they say to themselves okay this is what happens when the crap hits the fan now i know this is the worst and look at the way it was handled, we're good. Let's move on and, and do it again, mm -hmm. right? 
Exactly. Exactly. And and that is, I mean, some of the worst circumstances is you do gain your clients, as you said, for life, because now they trust you. They know that you're going to be striving to make it, not only are you going to be striving to make it right, but if anything doesn't go wrong, you're going to handle it appropriately and you're going to take care of them. Yeah, you're going to take it. And you know, it's funny, we we both know Toby. We we, we wanted him on this podcast, but uh, I, I uh, understand he wasn't really... Uh, interested in joining us he's not a he's not a, he's not a talkative guy no he's not a talker but um but he is one gent that comes to mind uh when we when we talk about this mm-hmm. he's the he is one of the few gentlemen in the production world that i can honestly say i trust and would would fall down and die for because i would absolutely know he would do the same he would die on the sword his integrity is so so strong and we we need more of those people because at the end of the day um, this business is anything but black and white and it's all about partnership and you know as well as as we do being excused i said it earlier bottom feeders but those who come in and and augment what's happening already right, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so many pieces involved and so many ways the ball can be dropped in the handover and it's so important that it never ever ever gets dropped and that means you know you're running in a million different directions and when it does get dropped, you assess and you say, okay, what, I, what could I have done to prevent that? And what was my part in it? And if you can't do that, you don't belong in this world, in this business, sorry, in this business, because it is so based on partnerships and it's so sometimes last minute or so rushed sometimes that you have to depend and trust. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll have unhappy clients. Absolutely. And we all know we have our dream teams, right? So, or or those people that we love to work with because we have that trust. So Mm -hmm. one of the really interesting things now too, that I find, because I couldn't agree with you more, but one of the biggest, I think challenges right now coming out of COVID, there's a lot, everyone's shuffled. Everyone's in a new, well, not everyone. Those who are still around. Yeah. Some of us are still around, but there's a lot of shuffling going on and there's a lot of new and up and coming, um, young professionals as well and it is awesome to see that our energy and new ideas etc but you're having to build those relationships again and trust and find out where that is so that's one of um that we could like take a whole nother hour on that but um that interesting piece of the puzzle right now is how you rebuild those how the new venues that have opened the new restaurants that have opened and or catering companies and or entertainment or you know because people have reinvented themselves during COVID so mm-hmm. there's a lot of new um there's a lot of people that have said okay I'm done with the event world interestingly enough and gone on and whatever they did in the meantime they've decided that they like it and they're ready for a change in their life and then there's a lot of new people that had to reinvent themselves and tried their maybe tried their hobby and made it now trying to make it a business. So there's a lot of different elements of people coming into the business. So it's exciting um, to see those new opportunities, but, but you're building new partnerships as well. And all of those things are very important for me, the key, like that, the trust and the, you know, back and forth is, and that comes with time, but it's important. 
it comes with time and, and sticking your neck out there. And um, I'm sure you've also, as a business <laughs> owner, given things away or done things at cost to, uh, you know, secure relationships. Uh, I would imagine that a time or two, as we've just talked, you've eaten some crow and taken less because of something that you just wanted to make right, even if it wasn't your fault. Uh, I'm sure those times have come. Uh, and, you know, the, the human in us wants there to be instant karma when that happens, but it's a very slow process. And well, yeah, and I think you have to look at it in different ways, right? So it is a very, some of, sometimes it's like you want to be stubborn. No, I don't want to give in because maybe you don't feel that it was right or, but it was, but I always look at it and say, that's their perception, which is for some people, that's their reality. So my favorite, one of my favorite, and I said it for a long time. In fact, one of the catering managers that used to work for me wrote a book and I was just reading it last night. And she quoted me in there. My old boss used to say, it's the dollar to grief ratio. So that can be used in a lot of different ways. So whether it be, you know, are you going to get, are you going to have to do something or cut something back or take it for less? Because you know what, really arguing the point or trying to see them, have them see your way or, you know what? No, it's better just to be able to say, you know what, I'm sorry that you were disappointed or here's this, et cetera. Um, the other thing dollar to grief ratio works on is um, clients and who you're going to take. Like, you know, we always talk about saying, okay, who's, who's the right client for me? Sometimes I'm like, oh boy, dollar to grief ratio. I'm sorry. I'm not the right one for you because there doesn't matter how much money I, I'm not a good fit because I don't understand your needs and there's not enough money for me because I'm not the right fit for you. Dollar to grief ratio. Or sometimes it's like, you know what, I'm going to pay more today because I don't have time. So dollar to grief ratio. So for me, my big motto in life is what's the dollar to grief ratio? Is that, and that can be plus or minus, right? That could be getting back or that could be spending more because I don't have the time. So I'm willing to spend more because I need to, um, I don't have the time or charge more because I'm going to, I know it's going to take a little bit more time because of different things or nope, there's no dollar to grief ratio. So that's something that I try and uh, embed in there as far as uh, when talking about giving things away or how we do things. And right now we're all giving things away mm. a, a little bit more in the sense of we're rebuilding again, right? So we have right. to do again to get our name out there to say, hey, what are we doing these days? Yep, I'm willing to do that because, um, but I, but I, but I, but we have to do that with caution because right. like building your business and it doesn't mean that you have to give everything away. The dollar, I have to, I have to go back to the dollar to grief. Um, brilliant. That's brilliant because I, I honestly, because you're already thinking about the grief in advance, right? So you're already putting a dollar figure on the grief. So when the grief comes, you're already in a better place because you know, yep. you've, you've expected it and you've charged for it. So in, in a way, it's a brilliant way to look at business. It saves you a lot of headache in my mind because it's a way to say, okay, I understand again, going back, this is your need, right? This is what your expectation is. Well, that's going to take me a lot longer, or it's going to take a lot more of my time that I can't in my business be able to put time over here right. with something else. So right. it's going to be, but then I'm not irritated every time that I'm having to spend more time because I know right. I had to allocate more for that. Right. And that's so and, it's it's pre-planning. 
Right, and and that, thank you for clarifying that it is justifiable. It is about time, not just mm -hmm. about grief, but that's sort of the equation. You know, that's the analogy: grief to time, uh, because that's typically what happens. And in our world, that could happen for nonsensical reasons, like um, you know, uh, in our world, it's like thank you for the six guitarists that you showed us we're still looking for something different you know in your world it's probably like do, do you have any other condiment that you could put on there like you know you can't invent them you know you've just gone through every single possible option because they've needed it right to make a decision so you you've built in the grief time i just think it's brilliant it's genius mm -hmm. well I, I give it as a gift. I'm taking it. You don't even have to give it to me. I'm stealing it. Yeah. It's already there. A lot of sleepless nights. Let me it's, already, it's already in our handbook. Right. That's it. He did he did all this during right. the course of the conversation. And it's just so it's so important because you know this is a service business and mm -hmm. it is it it can get out of hand because you're also dealing with when your clients are planning something that's personal, emotions, right? Mm -hmm. And when you're dealing with a client who's uh, planning a, a corporate meeting or association meeting, their career could, they could feel their career is on the line, right? So you're dealing with emotions, you're dealing with artistic people on both ends, right? And, and usually I find that my best clients are the most eccentric, the ones with, right? The ones with the really outlandish ideas that want to push, you know, the borders, right? You know, they're gonna, yeah. it's gonna be crazy, you know, but you also know you're gonna do some great things possibly, yeah. right? Absolutely. And 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 those are the clients that push us to be better in multiple ways, right? So that's the way I I choose to look at that now. I try to look at them now because yes, the most eccentric, the most, you know, we all, and, and, you know, going back to grief, it is time because we have a, such a finite amount of time. That's the only thing that we have that's finite, right? And so, but to push to those levels, there's always um, the great creative ideas that that's the exciting part. And I believe also that that's people in this business, that's part of what drives us to be in this business. I think that creative process, I think that, that, that it's always changing, that there's always something different. Um, I think we're all a little crazy to be in this business. I think you have to be, but um, I, but it all stems around that piece for me alone, like that that next um, thing that a client's going to challenge me with, um, keep me fresh and keep me on my toes. And uh, there will be good things coming from it, even though dollar to grief ratio maybe a little bit more than I wanted that time, but um, that that's what makes it fun, right? That's what keeps it interesting. Right, for sure. We I, we've just been alerted that is now the name of this episode dollar to grief ratio. Uh, what is next for Sherry Karpinski sensational treats? Uh, obviously, getting back to business is what's happening now. But when you look in the future, what do you see for yourself? You know, I see us. Um, it's an exciting time. I think I told you a little bit. Uh, we started at the beginning how we started doing package treats too. That's mm -hmm. Off, um, in a different way and it was really funny I uh, my coordinator during the pandemic which I kept her the entire time because she's so valuable um, to me um, but there was times where we were sitting there packaging like 20 brownies or Rice Krispie treats because for the drive-by birthday party that people couldn't have you know so we would do that and 
you know, that was a tough time because, you know, you weren't making a lot of money during doing that. So part of no. each other go, okay, so here's $150. What are we doing? Like, really? You know, but I knew, I knew I'm like, you've got to do something to keep your name out there. You have mm-hmm. to do something to keep relevant. And now we do, we have had the privilege of doing boxes and treats and, um, for the holidays, we did a Christmas box for um, quite a few uh, for thousands. So it's like, what? Now now we went from this, 10 people or 10 treats to, you know, we did a Mother's Day during the pandemic where I literally was on my local mom's group and they everybody ordered chocolate strawberries from me and this and that and uh, all the different things um, that we, Valentine's Day, and we still do that. And we still go out and, um, and now we have large orders. So I'm grateful. I'm grateful for that time. Um, so I see that as still being a piece of our business. Um, I see us continuing to go to um, new levels on the products that we're doing on the um, display and the way we're doing it, just like the donuts. So now it's like, okay, what can we do to elevate that to come in? Um, and do just a little bit more and then who knows there's there's all kinds of things constantly in the works right now in this event work in this event industry that's changing and growing and um, with my background um, there's always new and exciting opportunities Mm -hmm. so one day at a time one day at a time well you um, you were one of the people that when COVID hit (laughs) you didn't take it lying down and you found ways to stay relevant and keep some income coming in the door. And I'm glad that it's coming back to you. You're reaping the benefits of that. Um, it's, it's what the, it's what real leaders in business do when they're faced with a COVID, you know, they find ways to stay in business and, and remain relevant. And you did that. It's really remarkable. Uh, you and Toby both did that. Uh, he well, built so did you, my friend. We so did, did my friend. Virtual, virtual entertainment was at its height through Bolada. Thank you. Well, you know, you pivot. That's what you do. And yeah. uh, Can I, I just say something? I just want to acknowledge, Sherry, the fact that you created, started, and successfully ran your own business with a toddler and baby. Mm-hmm. I, I really, I, you know, as a parent, that's darn remarkable. Thank you. So I just. Thank you. That means a lot to me now with my children are now 14 and 11. So we're having wow. Being fun with that right now and I'm a single mom now so that's a whole different mm-hmm. it is a whole different ballgame and now you know bringing the business back and you know none of us would have imagined that COVID would hit when it did um and that obviously changed a lot of circumstances for me and that was a very scary time because I would have never believed that my business could I was here building 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 as a single parent um I never would have believed that it could just go away like what no So, um, you know, but one of the biggest things that I always try and remember to, and and try it because I have littles and they're still little is how do I handle it? And what example are you setting? So, um, and some aren't so good some days, but most of the time I try my best to, uh, 
to look at how we can, how I can be positive and how I can continue to, to show them to be strong. And it's not always easy. Absolutely. Sometimes they see a frenzied mom, sometimes they see, but that's life, right? And that's it's good life. for them to see it because it's a lesson of how you get through it. Yes. You know, there's something very fake in trying to be perfect all the time. And that is not a benefit to anybody around you, but especially your kids. So, you know, they get to see how remarkable you are. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. They are definitely the a huge part of the biggest part of my life. And so especially being a mom, and I think it was interesting, um, you know, it was a hard time for me when I had my son, as I shared earlier, to, to give up my identity and business. And it's at, at, at a time when my career was at its peak. But at the same time, having these little beings or this little being was so important. And that job is important. So and it is a struggle to balance that and one that even you know today on a daily basis weekly basis monthly basis is a constant learning so thank you for acknowledging that i i needed that and, and i just i don't know maybe maybe i'm completely off base but i just think that having your own business is somehow easier to raise your kids with balance than it would have been being the director of of uh, uh catering and convention services uh, anywhere, because that's a 60 hour a week job, at least. Well, what owning your business does is it gives you the flexibility that I think in that in that environment you don't have, it can still be, and you can tailor it because you can say, okay, no, just like I did when they were really small, it was smaller. Um, so it does give you that flexibility. Um, I'll never forget though, when I first started in business, uh, doing the business myself, coming out of hotels, and then it, especially as it got bigger, I'm like, hey, wait a minute, where's my, where's my accounting department? Where's my banquet department? Right. Where's our department? Where's, you know, and like, okay, that, that, that's me. So it was definitely a shift for me in how to do things and, and, and having it all land here. So it, oh, there was still some 60 hour work weeks, but right through it you learn and then you learn how to manage that too and then you know and then you do have the flexibility so that I can pick my kids up from school and I can you know be there especially my daughter now is 11 and she's going to go off to middle school next year um so I will have no one in it but in elementary school I was very involved with my children in their classrooms and things like that as real mom and that was important for me too so um I, I gave it has given me the opportunity to do that. So it's been a blessing. That is great. Really. I'm glad that you had the time with them and it's that too comes back in spades. Yes, it does. Yeah. Well, I'm and, that it gives me uh, some gold stars for the teenage years, which I'm not. Yes. About you're about, to, you're about to I'm enter. Already, we're, we're entering them and it's, I'm like, Oh my goodness. Yes, you said your daughter's going into middle school, and I and my the hair is at the back of my neck, just ding. and my son into high school next year. So yeah, the next year. So well, does he? Uh, does he? Uh, does he take care of her? Does he look out for her? Is he a good big brother? He does. Overall, you know, they're in that they're in that phase now where they give each other a hard time. He's pretty right. Little, you know, because he knows everything now. Right. Which, and know. she's a stupid little 11 year old. Right. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I yeah. was that stupid little 11 year old. Once. Me too. Yeah, Me right. too. Yes, it's you were. Not a fun place to be. So we have taken up <laughs> so much of your time and you've been just delicious. 
no pun intended, but we'd like to play a little game with you before we let you go. It's okay. sort of a tradition that we have. It's called this or that. You may have heard of it before. We'll ask you one or the other and you tell us which one you like. We'll give you 10 of them. Okay. But, and you have to tell us this or that, except for one time you can say, I wouldn't like either of those. And one time, only one time you can say, I would like both. Okay. Okay. Otherwise okay. this or that you ready. This. All right. Yeah. All right. Number one. Donuts or churros? Donuts. Wow. Hawaii or Aspen? Hawaii. Manhattan or Martini? Martini. Game night or date night? Both. Oh, good for you. You're smart. You are so You're smart. Smarty <laughs> pants. Smarty <laughs> pants. <laughs> smart. Four wheeling or hang gliding? Uh, four wheeling. Beyonce or Britney? <laughs> Neither, right? <laughs> neither? <laughs> Probably. Say- yeah. Uh, neither. Okay. I love that. Social or corporate? Corporate. House of Gucci or House of Versace? Mm. I can't say both again, right? No. Okay, so I would say Gucci. But you have to say House of Gucci. Oh, House of Gucci. House of Gucci. (laughs) Uh, Sweet or savory? Savory. And last, Bachelor Nation or Housewife fan? Uh, I would have to say... Because you have to pick one. Housewife (laughs) fan, I guess. Yes. Final answer. Final answer. Don't get too uh, hung up on this, though, but we might ask you who your favorite housewife is, so you might want to do some research. I'll definitely need to do some research. You definitely will have to. Uh, Sherry Karpinski with Sensational Treats. Yum, 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 yum. We can't wait to taste you again. And we can't wait to see you again, which we hope will be real soon. It's been far too long, but it's a good thing you're busy. I agree. Thank you, my friend. Thanks for having me today. It was so much fun. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. She's quite a businesswoman. My goodness. Yeah, she's built quite a business. Good for her. I'm glad she's busy. And I'm glad to hear that people are... uh, calling her and wanting the experience and looking for things that are fun and interesting and that will liven up an event because uh, that means people want to celebrate. It's always a good thing, right? And she's a delight to be around. She really is. She's positive and happy and kind. And uh, I'm always thrilled when I go anywhere on site or an event and see her because I know I have a friend there. It's always a good thing. Mm -hmm. Always always well that's it for us today uh we're gonna call it a show and say goodbye and say (laughs) thank you for listening if you've enjoyed listening to us please give us five stars on apple podcasts if uh, you're listening to us somewhere else keep listening tell your friends couldn't hurt can't hurt who cares just come (laughs) back and listen again in the meantime we'll say goodbye goodbye alex good day Stay engaging.